Hi, this is Media Girlfriends, and I'm the Nava Duncan. Welcome to season two. (laughs) I'm so excited. If you're new to this podcast, hello. This podcast started out as a place where I just wanted to talk to my girlfriends who worked in the media because I wanted to develop myself and my interviewing experience. And in the last season, we talked about doubt and ambition and finding better jobs in another country, cultural appropriation. And for this season, I'm going to go beyond some borders. Uh, It won't always be women I know. Um, You'll hear more women that I've just met. And it won't always be women in Canada either. For example, this episode takes place in Ghana. I was there in December for a whole month. It was awesome. Oh, my gosh. I didn't want to come back. Anyway, I found out that Nicole Matafio was in town. Nicole is sometimes referred to as the Shonda Rhimes of Ghana. She's Ghanaian-American, and she created a Sex and the City-ish web series called An African City. This is a series that's been called An Unabashed, Unfiltered Portrait of Four Single African Women Dating, Climbing the Corporate Ladder, and Pushing Cultural Norms. When my sisters and I found out about it, we devoured it because it was like the women were living a version of what our lives might be if we moved back. And that's a real thing. People moving back to African countries and trying to make it, trying to reconcile their westernized upbringings with their new life in the country that they've identified with their whole lives. So you can imagine the cult-type following that this series has. It's been so popular that Nicole has been in meetings with Hollywood producers and there's some big update about the new third season, which I can't tell you because I don't know that much about it. So here's my conversation with Nicola Martefio starting with a little bit of an African city. When Ghanaians are returning to Ghana, their country of birth or family ancestry, there's one thing that has become a cultural tradition, a cultural expectation. Returnees are always expected to bring back stuff. Suitcases of lots, lots of stuff. Um, uh, so, so my cousin Adama is coming back uh, to Accra next week. Do you want anything from the States? Underwear. Underwear. But not that crappy grandma kind. I only like Nubian skin. You want my cousin to get you underwear? Size six, anything lace. You gotta go. Ciao, bye. Uh, b- bye. And then I called Ngozi. Um, ooh, 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 I know. Quinoa. She can get it at Whole Foods. Oh, okay, all right. Talk to you later. Thank you. So we are sitting in my hotel room at the Okara Inn. Uh, let's get into the why of an African city for a bit. Uh, you were born here, two Ghanaian parents, but you have schooled outside and you've been back and forth. And the show is about returnees. This is a story that you weren't uh, seeing, I guess. And so what was different about, what is different about returnees that you wanted to show? Well, it was actually, I made it about returnees as more of a defense mechanism. If I had done it about five, I'm using air quotes, Ghanaian women, I knew there would be some critics who would say, I have no right to tell that story, that I'm not Ghanaian enough, all that that stuff that people say. But 
the story of women who were born here, raised abroad, and now they're back, no one can tell me I can't write that story because it's my story, right? <laughs> totally. There's um, a bit... I think, I can't remember which, which uh, season this is, where the person is coming through immigration <laughs> and the person <laughs> at the immigration desk is looking at the, the passport and saying, you're Genyan. And I know that feeling where you're being tested on your Genyanness and you cannot be faulted for where you're at in your country dumb. You know what I'm saying? You said it perfectly. I love it. But that that I'm confronted. That certainly happens to me at the airport all the time, especially when they see my last name. My last name's Amatefio, which is a very Ga name. So immediately they start talking to me in Ga, and I don't speak Ga. Then immediately they want to know what my my first Ga name is, which that I can say to them. Um, what is it? But I'm always tested Amele, nah Amele, oh. <laughs> meaning I'm the firstborn girl of my family. Um, but yeah, I'm always tested at um, at the airport, at you name it. At the supermarket, I've talked about the supermarket twice already. Um, at the supermarket, you name it, I'm always tested about um, my level of Ghanaian-ness. What do you think this does to our psyches over time? Um, oh, it's, it's, it's a journey. I mean, I think at first it eats away at our um, security, our, self of se- uh, our sense of self uh, of, sec- of security, it, it eats away at our confidence. But then, when you start fighting it, I mean, an African city is me fighting that. Um, you gain it all. You gain all that confidence right back. And you found community. Yeah. Uh, there is another community here. This something that I have joined is Ahaspora, which is basically a community of folks who are wanting to return and returning, and. The community is not small. And it's obviously not just in Ghana, too. What do you think is the central reason why people want to come back? Well, I think you see that movement throughout the uh, continent of Africa. I mean, when I wrote An African City, I was actually not just taking stories of women I knew who had returned to Accra, but I was literally taking stories from women I knew who were returning to Nairobi, to Kigali, to Lagos, to Joburg. Um, so you see people just moving back, and it's for several reasons. I mean, I think, you know, as a black person, um, some people question whether or not they want to be second-class citizens in the United States of America. Um, you know, that constant struggle to just be considered human, is that really necessary? Um, is that how you should spend your life? Um, there's some people who question that. Then it was just in terms of economic opportunities. Um, you know, especially in 2008 when you had kind of the economic crisis in the, in the, in the U.S., a lot of people losing their jobs, um, or a lot of people in nine-to-five jobs that they just weren't passionate about. Yet here in Accra, there's so much opportunity. Everything's a business. I mean, if you want to sell water, that's a business. If you want to sell paper clips to schools, that's a, that's a business. I mean, everything becomes a business. It's fresh. It's fresh ground to do so much. Do you feel that way about the film and TV industry here? I do. I mean, so I'm working on several projects, and all of them are with these U.S. networks who they're looking for content. And once you create an an entirely different environment, you're creating a completely different show. Um, It's something more interesting for them as a network and for their viewers. 
Um, Which is what they're looking for. Something different. Something different. Something fresh. And so me being able to sit here, being a writer here in Accra, Ghana, and being able to write all these stories that I hope one day, you know, not only are licensed and bought by U.S. networks, but shared globally, um, there's something to be said about that. I Don't forget, my experience is not film. And so this is crazy that I'm in some of these meetings. <laughs> Um, but it was because I returned to Ghana and it's fresh ground and yeah. You had mentioned uh, this is not what you started out with. You were working in communications uh, specifically for promoting uh, global, what was it again? Well, different trade policies, African Growth and Opportunity Act. But I was, I was in international development in general. One policy that I definitely, my boss at the time was championing was um, was the African Growth and Opportunity Act, was it, which is a U.S. trade bill, which is supposed to help African entrepreneurs export their goods to the United States uh, duty-free and tax-free, right? It's for African entrepreneurs. However, African entrepreneurs are not aware of this bill, right? It's the oil companies the foreign oil companies that are on the continent of Africa who are very much aware of of this bill and therefore are able to export oil duty-free, tax-free, quota-free, et cetera. So for me, it was just so frustrating that, you know, there's this bill out there that is for the good of African entrepreneurs and African entrepreneurs don't know about it. Um, So that's that's why I got into communications. I was very passionate about policies that needed more visibility towards the right audiences, right? So yeah, I was doing that, but I, I love the fact that then I can go to another completely different arena, which is the entertainment space, and still kind of put out important information like that. That's what I was going to say. I still see that parallel of the passion for a specific demographic and letting them sort of like know who they are and giving them the knowledge about there's a community here, there's something happening here. Uh, so when you moved back, what was the first big problem? Ah, um, well, some of what you'll see in the show. Once again, uh, acceptance, acceptance of your Ghanaian-ness. Um, How did you overcome that, though? Now I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How did you get... <laughs> She's giving her husband, her husband is here. She's giving him a high five. How did you get... How did you get to that point? Because you were just saying before that you were at a point of like defensiveness. And so where, when did that happen? So after we launched season one of An African City, um, I want to say right after the first, right after the first episode of An African City. Um, so I was expecting a, most of my criticism to come from Caucasian. I'm trying to be polite using the word Caucasian. It's okay. You can say you can say white people. Like it's fine. White folk. I thought it was going to come from white people who were still trying to define what Africa is. That's where I thought the criticism would come from. But after we launched season one, episode one of An African City, a criticism that hit hard for me was a Ghanaian American woman who was also a writer. And this, her criticism, had me in bed all weekend. Oh. I was in bed all weekend because now the criticism was coming very close to home, right? A peer. Yeah, a peer. So it was really hard for me, right? Well, what but did when you I'm say? 
she was just criticizing the show and all, all sorts all sorts of ways. So I don't even really remember the criticism what was in the criticism. I just remember it was just it was just criticism. And it was it was it was not said in probably in a most constructive way. It was just it just felt mean. Um, but when I finally got out of my slumber, I just said to myself, I can't have other people's opinions affect me like this. And I realized I was doing it in, in so many ways. Um, even with a personal situation, um, I realized that I wasn't thinking about that personal situation in, a correct, in, a, in the right way. You're talking about a personal situation that happened like with your family? Yes. Okay, okay. I realized that I was so needing their validation the validation of my family is very important because, once again, it, appro- it, it, it proves how Ghanaian I am, right? Mm. You know, their acceptance of mm. me. Anybody who says I'm not Ghanaian, hey, look at my family. Yeah. I'm with them, yeah. you know? So, but once again, all these things I just had to let go. I, I need to let go of other people's opinions. So if you don't think I'm Ghanaian enough, first of all, I am one of the people putting Ghana on the map. So eat that. <laughs> I wish you could see her fingers pointing at the microphone. <laughs> I'm one of the people representing Ghana. So, you know, just be nice. <laughs> Not that hard. Yeah. So what are you excited about for season three? What am I excited about for season three? I think I'm just really excited. If, if I'm in a fight to disrupt the narrative of Africa, if I really want... Um, more people to be a part of um, this fight. I'm just, being on a U.S. platform just gives it more visibility, you know? But what I'm hoping an African city does, like, once again, I mean, the story of how an African city came about, I wasn't a filmmaker. I was not a TV producer. I was not even a writer, except for press releases, you know? And now I'm rep by creative artists agency CAA and now I'm talking to various prominent networks about different TV shows and movies and films Um, so I really just want to encourage your viewers you know you have a dream just go for it you know I was telling my but there's work involved if if I might cut in there it's not like you just got up and and did this you uh, took courses you worked at it true 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 um, why, true. Why did your voice get so because high there? I kept having to take steps of faith. So, like, when I put all my money into season one of An African City, the way I talked to myself about it, I said, oh, no one else is going to pay for this show, so I'll pay for it. Right? That language helped me do that easily, helped me put my money into season one easily. Now I'm looking at it and I'm going, you put all your hard-earned savings into a project that you did not know the outcome. You had no idea what was going to happen. You put all your, basically, you put all your savings into something that if it did not work out, you would be broke. <laughs> Are you crazy? You know, but it just didn't so, your, did your parents say that to you? You know, I don't think they really knew that I, that's what I was doing. They didn't know that's what I was doing. But you didn't tell them. You didn't tell them. But I've got to. I've got to give it to my, give it to my parents. They had a lot of faith in 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 whatever it is that I was doing. They didn't fully. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really know how to articulate what I was doing to their friends, but they were very supportive, actually. Um, and so that's part of probably what helped having that family support. Um, but yeah, it's crazy that I put all my money into something when I did not know what would happen. But I, I did it. 
and that and that's a leap of faith. I wanted to turn to the conversations that you have been don't having. Don't be putting your money into things and then blame me. <laughs> okay, please, I beg. <laughs> I have enough. I have enough problems. I beg. I don't want to see some tweets or whatever. Like, no. I, I do. Nicole told me to spend all of my money in this project. <laughs> no, um, no. I wanted to turn to uh, your conversations with uh, people in Hollywood. Um, did you find that there was any changes that they wanted to make to an African city that made you know, like, we shouldn't be working with you? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Um, one of my very first meetings, one of the executives wanted to change. So all the five girls are, are Ghanaian-American or Nigerian-American. Um, but he straight up wanted to change all five girls to be African-American. African-Americans who have moved to the continent. And he did not... That's a totally different story. It's a different show. It's a different show. But the fact that he just wanted to remove... And it meant that he wasn't getting what the show is and getting the essence of the show and getting that nuance. And yeah, he just wanted to straight up get rid of the five and make them all five black Americans. How did you respond to him? I mean, I would probably respond to him very differently today. But I mean, I just... We're not working together. You know, but I, I didn't explain to him how I felt about him him saying that that was no I, I never I never I never was honest to him about how I felt about hearing that so today you think you would do that differently oh, yeah oh today today I speak up a lot <laughs> yeah no today today I would today I would what would you say actually just recently I had to remind okay I'm stealing these words from Issa Rae but I had to tell somebody black is a universal thing Black is not just the United States of America. So that's something I said recently, but on the other end, it went silent. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not sure if he was just so overwhelmed by the wisdom or if he was like, hmm, 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 hmm. I don't understand you or whatever. We're canceling this project. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, again, it's a movement and I'm trying to speak up about it. How are you liking living in Ghana, like, right now, after the success of An African City, now working on this? Like, how are you feeling? I love it. I love being home. And one of the reasons I created An African City was to convince people or to encourage people to come home. Um, I know so many people on the fence, so I want them to come home. I consider myself Mar Marvis Garvey. Um, <laughs> Marcus Garvey. Um, yeah, I, just, I want people to come home, and I, I, love, I love being home. Does it, ha does it have its struggles or its issues? Um, yeah, um, but it's home. What are the struggles? Oh, my God, this is going to sound, this is going to sound so, this is going to, oh, God, I can't. This is going to sound so. Just say it. When the light goes out, <laughs> that I consider a struggle. That is a struggle, Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, electricity is a big one. Um, What's your answer to the, some of the criticisms about the show being just focused on like the bougie side of uh, at the African experience? Because I am bougie. Next, dry. <laughs> <laughs> so it's about personal experience. Like, what are you going to say? What I know about. What else do you expect? I'm writing what I know about. Okay. I mean, 
Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what else am I supposed to write about? I'm writing about what I know. I'm writing about experiences. I'm writing about the people I know. Yeah, so these are the people. And you're still watching. So, ah. Uh, so, these criticisms, I guess you've seen them. And it will be, another, it will be a completely different show. I'm very specific. I said... I'm right. I'm creating a show about westernized Ghanaians. And then people say, why do they have to be westernized? Because that's the show I'm creating. And that's, and that's you. Yeah, that's my experience. Um, I'm creating a show about five women who are financially successful. That's, that's the show. If it was about five women who were not financially success- successful, that would not be an African city. Uh, and the reason I wanted five women who were financially successful is because my entire life... The only imagery, the only messaging, the only representation of the African woman has been opposite, has been poverty and slums and grief-stricken and famine. And so I said, fuck that. I'm going to the extreme other side, and these are going to be five well-off women. Because you know what? There's some 22-year-olds out there who need to see well-off African women. Mic drop. <laughs> You know, it does it does speak to uh, just this idea that wealth is bad or doing well is bad. And sometimes I think that can be part of the experience here where you come back, you are quite obviously a person who has more money than some. And uh, sometimes you can sense the disdain from others, like whether you're I don't know, getting food somewhere or getting your car tire changed or trying to get into a taxi. It can, it, it, it really, the class part comes into play. Yeah, and you see, I get it. But you see, it's a conversation that we can have intellectually. I think what people are saying when they're like, why are these girls all this? And why are these girls all that? You're trying to say, let me tell you, let me tell you what you are trying to say. You're trying to say that, you know, there's a, there is a lot of poverty in Africa. And the reason why Africa, there's been a lot of poverty that has remained in the continent of Africa is because of the elite class. The elite class have played a role in the poverty of Africa. We can't just blame Europeans and the West and white supremacy. And da-da. The elite Africans have a role to play in that poverty. So what are we going to do about it? What are we doing about it from, where you, from what you know? They should tell me what we're going to do about it. <laughs> you know, but that's the conversation. I'm not even saying I have the answer, but I am saying that that's the conversation that I'm willing to have. Not, these girls are always in Christy Brown and did it there and they're wearing ball gowns in supermarkets. Yes, you know why they're wearing a ball gown in the supermarket? Ask me, ask me why. You ask what, what, why, why are they wearing ball gowns in the supermarket? If Ngozi showed up in Koala Supermarket wearing jeans and a T-shirt, would, would we be talking about her fashion? And, w- w- and would we be talking about a fashion designer? No. But she shows up in that Christie. She shows up in a ball gown. You actually don't know the designer. She shows up in a ball gown. Not a ball gown. But she shows up in a, some very fashionable piece. And we're talking about the fashion. And then we're talking about how fashion is amazing in the continent of Africa. And then we're talking about the amazing fashion designer who made that amazing outfit that Ngozi is wearing in the supermarket. People! Right? Like, that to me is a bigger and better goal. I want... Part of the reason why I created an African city was to be a platform for other creatives. I want people to watch an episode and Google 
Christy Brown or Ameo or Afromod Trends. I want people to watch an African City and Google One Love or JSO or Mensa. I want that. And so that's what the show does. And it does it pretty well, if I must say. Nicole, thank you for coming to my hotel room. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> this is so good. Nicole Amartefio, creator of the web series An African City. She's also got a movie coming out called Before the Vows. She's on fire, and I love talking to her because it feels like she's done the thing I've just wished about creating and moving to Ghana and making it all work. I'm not going to lie. I have this dream to live in Ghana for a couple of years. I just haven't done anything about it. I'm concentrating on other things. Thank you very much. Okay, I have something new for you. You know when you're just... Uh, living your life and then someone says something to you that you have no response for but that obviously just makes you freeze or you're in a situation something happens and you don't know what to say and then later on you think about all these responses that you could have said at the moment well that's what this is about this new segment I'm calling it what I should have said so just as an example One day when I was at work a number of years ago, I was in the kitchenette talking to someone that I considered a friend. And we must have been talking about my career because he said something like, well, you know, they only like you because you're black and female. And I didn't know what to say. I was so hurt by the comment. I can't even tell you what I had said in that moment because I was just so shocked by such a statement, which completely disregarded my talent. So what I should have said was, that is a very offensive comment. There's no other reason for me to be here than the fact that I belong and that I have the skills and the talent to do the jobs that I have been doing. What you've just said is incorrect. I may tick off boxes, but I have talent. Anyway, uh, I ended up speaking to him about it like years later and he apologized and I will just leave it at that. So I thought I would put this to Anika Elliott, someone from last year's season. She quit her job as a TV reporter at CP24. She branched out. She created her own lifestyle show for the Caribbean Canadian community. And I saw her recently when we were both on an entertainment panel at the Rotman School of Business Women's Leadership Symposium. So here's her story. I was in front of a a big wig exec in the media business, and I had an opportunity to pitch a show, uh, some sort of a a segment, and I didn't do it, whether I was... Wait, did you actually have an idea? Yeah, I had an idea. Like it was in your pocket? Girl, yes. I've been communicating with this person for some time, and we've been talking about a number of different things. A few things worked, a few things didn't, and so I had another thing to sort of present, but we ended up just talking about, you know, that person's life or Netflix or just whatever and not getting down to the heart of the moment, and I just found myself, you know, you're out of your body looking at yourself, shaking this person's hand, leaving the flipping door, and you didn't actually say the thing. Uh, So I definitely now looking back, would have asserted myself, been more prepared in practice what I wanted to say to pitch and say, listen, you need me. I am great. 
I can offer X, Y, Z, and this is the show idea, and this is why it will be wonderful. So what happened in that moment? Why didn't you do it? I, I think I, I, I'm a different person, like I said, I, around like old white men, or I guess the power position. You t- I turn into somebody else, and I just am not able to assert myself or be my true person. That, that's interesting that you, you can actually pinpoint that. You, you know now that that's really what it was? I feel so, yeah. And I just also, that coupled with the fact that I needed to do some more soul searching to figure out who I I really was, and I wasn't doing the right job then. And so there there was a battle between not knowing who I was and also feeling afraid in some way. I don't know. Uh, lots to unpack there. Lots that I actually identify with. Uh, maybe that's something I can get into in another episode. But that's it for this episode on the second season of Media Girlfriends. Thank you so much for supporting this project. It is lovingly supported, besides by you, it's been supported by my husband and my personal board of directors. Thank you. This podcast is produced by me, Nanaba Duncan. It's on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, SoundCloud, and of course on Twitter at MediaGFS. And the hashtag is MediaGirlfriends.